You're listening to Blackpool Church Podcast. Join us for our Sunday gatherings to make friends, explore faith and encounter God. Visit our website, blackpool.church. This is the Talk Archive. Hello. Hey, everyone. As, uh, as Andy said, my name's John. I'm part of the team here at Blackpool Church. I just want to say, Rachel and I, we did move about 10, 10 months ago, actually. 10, um, but we love Blackpool, don't we, Rach? It's, uh, we, we've never lived in a better place. It's so exciting. And we love all you guys as well. So round of applause for you guys. You're great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and as, as Andy said, over the past few weeks, we've been in a series called Standing Firm. Lovely pictures. I don't know, Andy's designed all these as well. Might have been a bit subtle, but there's some nice paintings, murals on there. Paint, you've, you painted them yourselves? Oh, well done. I don't believe, I don't believe you, but well done. Um, <laughs> but, the, uh, but today I'm going to be talking to you about the shield of faith. Found in the book of Ephesians, we're going to read in a second. The armour of God is a bunch of tools that God has given us to defend ourselves against evil. And Jono and Andy have already spoken to us in this series. They've spoken about the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and the most complicated one to say, which is this. Your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. What a, what a mouthful, but Andy did a, it was a great talk last week. Uh, and today I'm talking about the shield of faith. We're going to be looking about what the, what the word faith actually means, what, um, what the shield of faith is actually protecting and what practical steps we can do to take up the shield of faith. So let's dive right into the Bible today. We're going to be reading from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to 17. And this is a letter. Um, this, this whole book is a letter from uh, one of the leaders of the Christians at the time, a guy called Paul, and it's a letter um, to a church, uh, a ch- a, to a, a Christian church in Ephesus. So this, and this is the last chapter of his letter. So Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to 17. The armour of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our strength, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And my first encouragement for us this morning as we dive into this scripture, as we look at the shield of faith, is that faith is a practice. Faith is a practice. Give me a wave this morning. If you're a musician or you've ever played a musical instrument, give me a wave. Yes, loads of you. Me too. Wonderful. Well, I've got a question for us all this morning, and that is what makes a musician a musician? For example, what makes a guitarist a guitarist? I play guitar. What makes me a guitarist? Is a guitarist someone who thinks about guitars? Is a guitarist someone who watches YouTube videos about guitars? Or is a guitarist someone who owns a guitar? Or is a guitarist someone who plays the guitar? 
I think that's the one, isn't it? I think we found our answer. In school, in, in primary school, I used to play quite a peculiar instrument in our school orchestra. It's called the fife. Has anyone heard of the fife? No one, just as I expected, no one's heard of the fife. Um, but <laughs> and uh, on the days uh, when, when we gathered to, to play in the orchestra, I was a fifer. But any day in between these occasions, I was not a fifer. And that's a funny word, a fifer, isn't it? By the way, it's a funny word. Um, and I, I was not a fifer because I didn't practice. I never practiced. And the reason uh, I tell you about me being or not being a fifer is because I think, I believe that faith is a practice. And that is defined by our action, by our behavior. The word faith gets thrown around a lot in the church and social media and the news outlets, all this stuff. We hear this word faith everywhere. And I must admit, beyond hearing it a lot, I haven't always known what it meant. I haven't always known what it meant. And we hear about the Christian faith. We hear about other religious faiths. We hear um, that King Charles is now called the defender of the faith. I've been asked by people if I have a faith. People have said that they have faith in me or they've lost faith in me, as the case may be. But when we see the word faith in all these places and in the Bible, we think of words like trust, belief, or religion maybe, don't we? But in the Bible, there's a word, uh, the most commonly used word for faith is this Hebrew word, imunah, which means to take firm action. And James chapter 2, verse 14 to 17 says this. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. This is just like me owning a fife and never playing it. That does not make me a fifer. Me playing my fife makes me a fifer. Faith is a practice. It's defined by our actions. It's not defined by what we think. It's not defined by what we feel. But it is defined by what we do, by our action. And I personally think this is great news. I don't know about you, but I'm quite a practical person. I always think my brain doesn't work very well, but my hands work great. And here we learn that faith is something we can physically do. It's not just a level of cleverness or understanding or knowledge. It's something that our hands can do, that we can get our teeth stuck into, that we can physically do. So what does this mean for us? What can we do to take up the shield of faith today? What will help us, as our passage says, extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one? Well, one amazing resource and tool that God has given us is his word, the Bible, the scriptures. We've just read a bit from it today. The Bible is the very word of God. It's described as the living word of God. And it's described as alive because when we read it, stuff happens. It does things. We grow, we learn, we're changed, we're challenged. Jesus says in John chapter 8, Verse 31 to 32, if you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And I know that most of you in the room this morning, if not every single one of you, are internally groaning, internally groaning and grumbling right now. Because I'm basically telling you to read the Bible, right? 
But, and that, but that internal groaning is for good reason. I know, and I've been there because there's, there's a reason for this internal groaning. It might be that you've, you've, you've read the Bible before and you've really tried, but you've not got nothing from it. You've learned nothing and it's just, you've come away really disheartened. It might be that you're, as you've read the Bible, you're yearning for this light bulb moment where things seem to click into place and it all makes sense, but you've not got that. Well, the Bible actually has a word for this light bulb moment and it's called Revelation. And revelation is when the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, reveals things to us. And if you're here today, having read the Bible before, and you've just got nothing from it, and you've left that kind of encounter with the Bible really down, downhearted, um, I just want to encourage you with some words that encouraged me a while back from a speaker called Tim Ross. And Tim Ross said, God can only reveal to you what is already in you. It's a bit like a fire. It needs fuel to be lit. This light bulb moment, this Holy Spirit revelation works way better when we've already read the Bible regularly. And I've personally found it um, when, when I started reading the Bible every day that God just started to speak to me way more. That the, the amount of times God spoke to me, the, the, the kind of like severity in which what God said to me, I just felt changed. I felt, I felt lighter. I felt less stressed. And I felt way closer to God when I dug into the Bible every day. And I'm not saying I'm perfect at it. I'm far from perfect at it. There are days I miss it. There are weeks where I miss it. And that's terrible, um, considering I'm standing on the stage telling you to read the Bible. But please learn from my mistakes, is what I'm saying. But I promise to you that when you read the Bible regularly or every day, it will change your life because I know it changed mine. And my best advice for reading the Bible is to pick a time, pick a place every day and do whatever is achievable in that moment. For some of you, that might be one verse. You might be on the train. You might have to listen to it on, in, your, in your headphones or whatever. You might be driving to work or whatever. There might be three verses. It might be a chapter. It might be a page. Whatever is achievable, that will be amazing. So I want to encourage us all this morning. Don't be like me, owning a fife but never playing it and not being a fifer because I never practiced. Don't be like me. Our faith is defined by our action. So let's practice our faith. Let's dig into the word of God regularly. Faith is a practice. And my next encouragement for us this morning is that faith is a posture. Faith is a posture. When I was a teenager, about 14 years old, I started noticing I had regular and really, and often really painful back pain. And um, I also had shortness of breath, and I was, I was quite concerned about it. And my parents, who knew I wasn't a middle-aged man, knew that for a 14-year-old, back pain wasn't that normal. They took me to a chiropractor. And I don't know if anyone's been to a chiropractor. It's a back specialist, spine specialist. And there, the chiropractor laid me on this bed, and he professionally prodded and poked my back like they do. And the chiropractor told me that the cause of my back pain was, was not any like genetic thing or anything. It was just, he said it was bad posture. All this was caused by bad posture. And it sounds silly, but after going to the chiropractor regularly, I discovered the sheer amount of things that my bad posture affected. I got back pain, I had shortness of breath, I struggled to sleep, I, my walking was often sometimes painful, and because of my wonky walk, I'd roll over on my ankle and snap ligaments often, it was really painful. So what the, what the chiropractor did on my, the first time I went is he prescribed some exercises to do at home to improve my posture. And I did these exercises and surely, slowly and surely all of these problems went away. By working out and maintaining a good posture, my body began to work properly again. 
My good posture protected my body. And the reason I tell you about my childhood posture problems today is because I believe faith is a posture and good posture protects. Just like using a shield with a good strong posture protects us from arrows coming at us like our passage says. Like me, having good back posture protects my whole body. A good faith posture protects our hearts and it protects what is precious. And the most precious thing that we have is Jesus and our relationship with Jesus. Jesus died on the cross, taking all of our sin and all of our mess with him. And as Jesus died on the cross, so did all of that sin, so did all of that mess. And Jesus rose from the dead and he ascended to heaven and he sent the Holy Spirit, the presence of Jesus. Meaning that for all who believe today, everyone, every one of us today can have the presence of God living inside of us. God, the maker and creator of the universe, a being so holy and perfect and bigger than we'll ever comprehend, wants to come and live inside of our human hearts. Our human hearts that keep getting it wrong, that keep messing up, that keep forgetting the lessons that we're trying to learn. (laughs) My watch is preaching for you this morning, for me this morning. But God lives inside of us. Isn't that precious? Isn't that worth maintaining? Isn't that worth protecting? I think so. And as we know, a bad physical posture leaves our body really vulnerable. And a bad faith posture leaves quite a lot of things vulnerable too. Our relationship with Jesus, our mental health, our relationships with one another, our self-esteem maybe. Now I'd just like to say whilst we're on the point that although we may be vulnerable, Jesus isn't vulnerable. Jesus is never vulnerable. There are things that we can do to make our faith more resilient, more reliant on Jesus. But even if we don't do those things, and even if we do have what I'm calling a bad faith posture, there is nothing that you can do or I can do that can change the fact that Jesus loves us without condition. Jesus has paid for that miss. He's paid for that sin. Nothing can change that. Jesus isn't vulnerable. But there are times when we all struggle with our Physical posture, yes, but our faith posture. So what are the exercises that the faith chiropractor prescribes us to strengthen and maintain our faith posture today? Well, one amazing exercise is to regularly dive into the Word of God, the Bible, like we've already spoken about. But another amazing tool that Jesus and God gives us is the church. And I want you to look to the person next to you and say to them, I am a gift to you. Go for it. Wonderful. Once you've done that, say to the person on the other side of you and say, my presence is good for you. Wonderful. Now that you all hate me for making you talk to one another, I want to say that it's true. Church is good. Community, family are powerful and wonderful. And it's something that Jesus modelled really well. Jesus had a best friend. He had three really close friends. He had 12 close friends, all of whom would go through life together, praying together, committed to one another, crying together, laughing together. So I want to encourage us this morning to do our church exercises today to improve our faith posture. The first thing to encourage you in is being here today. You coming today has blessed someone else, has helped someone else. 
You just turning up, drinking a coffee, eating an amazing pastry and sitting in your seat and singing a song has helped. So well done, you did it, you made it. But maybe the next thing might be joining a group so you can read the Bible and pray together, dig in the word of God together. Maybe come forward in pr- for prayer ministry later and, and, and during our, our Sunday gatherings. Maybe the next thing for you is joining a team to take a stand and take action on your faith. But my best advice as we join teams, as we do prayer ministries, as we do everything, as we do, as we do church, community, family, friendship, the focus should always be on quality, not quantity. Quality, not quantity. It's about intimacy and closeness with Jesus and with one another. And just on a practical note, one of the best ways to, to reach a place of intimacy with one another is to be vulnerable with one another. So I want to encourage us this morning. If you feel like you're on the edge of church today, come for prayer ministry. Join a team. Join a group. They're fantastic things. Or if you feel like you've been in church a bit now and you feel yourself plateauing, I want to challenge you. Be vulnerable with someone. Take that step. Share something that might be a bit personal to one person. Not everyone. Not everyone. Of course, that would be inappropriate. But maybe one person that you think, yeah, they're they're a friend. I want to take that, that level of closeness to the next level. And it might just be the best thing that we all do for our faith posture to be vulnerable with someone. And I just want us to remember that there is only one thing stronger than a soldier with their you know, amazing armor on standing strong. And that's two. That's two soldiers. So let's be a church that stands together with a strong faith posture. So we've heard that faith is a practice, it's defined by our action. We've looked at faith being a posture and good posture protects. And my final encouragement for us today as we look at the shield of faith is that faith is a process. Faith is a process. When I was about 10 years old, maybe even younger, my memory fades, but we were walking in, uh, in a park with my family. And all of a sudden, I felt this really sharp pain in my side. Before I carry on, not all of my stories about my body falling apart around me. Um, I, just, I don't know why, but all the health stories are coming out today. I'm being vulnerable with you. There you go. Um, <laughs> so let's carry on. Um, I felt this sharp pain in my side. Um, and it was really painful. And after the initial hit of pain, I could uh, immediately tell that the pain was lingering. So I told my mum, who was, who was the nearest uh, to me at the time, and she said that it was probably a wasp sting and she couldn't see anything on me, so we'll, we'll deal with the pain later. And she basically just said, man up and crack on, is what she said. So we carried on the walk and a few minutes later I felt the same pain in my armpit. And she seemed to know exactly what happened because she sprang into action, telling me to lift my arms up. And when she couldn't see anything, she started shouting at me to take my t-shirt off. And after me not wanting to strip off in the middle of the park, she started pulling my t-shirt off. And there, when it was off, she started half brushing, half slapping my armpit to get the wretched wasp. So there I was, half naked in the park, with my mum holding my arms up with one of her hands, and with the other hand, she was slapping my armpit. Don't know what you guys do with your, your Saturday afternoons when you're 10 years old, but that was me. But after this traumatic event, the wasp sting took a while to heal. The pain lingered. It was there for a few days. And I tell you this story because it's a little bit like in our passage where it says in verse 16, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Paul illustrates evil, not just as an arrow, which is harmful enough, but a flaming arrow. 
And an arrow, when they hit you, and I'm just saying, I've never been hit by an arrow, but I'm just guessing right now um, from films. But when an arrow hits you, it doesn't just hit you and bounce off, right? They're designed so that when they hit you, they go inside of you, they penetrate your skin, they mark you, they affect you inside. And these flaming arrows of evil, like our passage is talking about, might take different forms these days. It might take the form of a friend really hurting us, or a political system letting us down. Or even ourselves, kind of damaging ourselves with bad choices or making a mistake. Evil takes a lot of forms. And it's just like me when I got stung by the wasp. The pain lingered because it went inside of me. When we get hit by evil flaming arrows, they penetrate our hearts. They mark us. The evil, the pain and the hurt. It lingers, doesn't it? So what can we do? What can we do? What should we do when the wasp stings, when the, when the arrows hit? Well, faith is a process because when we do get hit, the Holy Spirit heals. Faith is a practice and a posture in which we can do our utmost to stand firm and take action and do all we know to do. But faith is also a process because we do get hit. We do fall down. We do get it wrong. Faith is a practice in our action. It's a posture to hold us strong. But faith is a process. Because when we do get hit, when we do get it wrong, when we are affected by the evil in the world, we can fundamentally know that there is no wasp sting. There is no flaming arrow. There's no evil. There's no person. There's no mistake. There's no power. There's no height. There's no depth that can change the fact that we are ultimately loved and nothing can separate us from the almighty, everlasting, unwavering love of God. Nothing. Faith is a process because God sent the Holy Spirit. When we get hit, the Holy Spirit heals us. Jesus forgives us because he paid for our mess on the cross. And the Spirit heals us. The Holy Spirit, the very presence of God, loves to heal. He loves to heal. And one of the names of God is Jehovah Rapha, which means God who heals. And if it's his name, you'll be sure that's what he does. So this is the antidote to the wasp sting, the bandage for the arrow wound. The Holy Spirit is what we can use to extinguish the flaming arrows coming at us. And I love that word, extinguish. The word extinguish doesn't mean just to put out, but it's still kind of there like a log. The word extinguish means to destroy, to completely remove. The Holy Spirit destroys the evil coming at us and that's in us and affected us. Faith is a process because the Holy Spirit begins to heal the pain that lingers inside of us. When we do get hit, when we do get stung, the Holy Spirit heals. Faith is a practice. It's defined by our action. Faith is a process. Sorry, faith is a posture. And good posture protects. And faith is a, a process when we do get hit. The Holy Spirit. Amen. Mm -hmm.